Hey everyone, welcome to Hound Opinions. Alright, so if you know me, you know that it's no secret that I'm a dog show junkie. I just, I love watching them. They're fun. I love seeing my favorite breeds, but I also love watching breeds that I don't often see out in the world. Like seriously, where else are you going to see an otter hound? I love looking at all the dogs and trying to see if I can figure out who's most likely to take home the coveted Best in Show trophy, while still acknowledging that in reality, the true Best in Show is the dog right next to you on the couch. Alright, so if you're listening on the day this episode dropped, which is November 17th if you're not near a calendar, it means that a week from today is the holiday that in the United States we call Thanksgiving. And for my money, the best part of Thanksgiving is the annual broadcast of the National Dog Show put on by the Kennel Club of Philadelphia. So I figured this would be a great time to preview the show. To help with the preview, I have the first ever returning Hound Opinions guest. I'm once again happy to welcome one of the voices of the National Dog Show, David Fry. He's been a voice of the National Dog Show, as well as the Beverly Hills Dog Show, for many years, and I'm really excited to share his insights with you. You can hear David Fry and his longtime dog show broadcast partner, John O'Hurley, when they call the National Dog Show on Thursday, November 24th at noon on NBC. It's right after the end of the Macy's Parade, and I'll actually be live-tweeting it as well. My Twitter handle is at BigWagsChicago, by the way. Okay. Thanks for tuning in, and let's do this. David, thank you again for for being back on Hound Opinions. Um, I'm really excited uh, to be able to talk to you about uh, the National Dog Show. I'm I'm a big dog show junkie, and you know love watching this every every Thanksgiving and things. So, um, first of all, I mean, are you you know how, how big an event for you is this? Well, it's huge, of course. I mean, we just did our 20th year last year, and uh, my partner, John O'Hurley, and I have been together for 20 years, so it's it's pretty special to all of us, along with all, of course, the NBC people and the crews and, and the people who travel with us and do these dog shows. So it is a big deal, but we're not just for the big deal people and the junkies. We're for all of the people who maybe have never seen a dog show before. They're gathered at home uh, on this great family holiday, and uh, we we appeal to people, to kids from two or three years old to grandparents to great-grandparents, and they can all gather around the TV and root for their favorite dogs or just be entertained by the great variety of dogs that they're going to see. Cool. And so for, for someone who's just tuning in for the first time, like, you know, what do you, what do you tell them? How do you, you know, how do you sort of approach it? Well, we tell them it's like an advancing bracket in sports. If they're sports fans, they'll understand that. But they, they, the dogs compete at three different levels. The first level is within their breed. So all of the Irish setters compete together. Right. And a, ju- a judge, one judge, picks the best Irish setter, what we call the best of breed dog. And that Irish setter advances into its group, which for, for Irish setters is the sporting group. There's seven different seven different groups. There, by the way, uh, uh, 212 different breeds and varieties that are eligible. And we have almost 200 of them this year. Um, so they advance into their groups, seven different groups, the sporting group with the Irish setters, the hounds, the working group, the terrier group, the uh, toy group, the non-sporting group, and the herding group. So there's seven groups. They all compete with all their other breed all their other breed winners that are in there. So the Irish setter in the sporting group is up against the Cocker Spaniels and and all and the Gordon setters and and uh, the pointers and all of those kinds of dogs. And then the same thing happens again in each of the ensuing groups. So seven groups, we're going to eventually one judge for each of those groups. 
one judge will pick a winner and that winner will advance into the finals, which is the best in show lineup, which has the seven group winners. One judge decides which one of those dogs is going to be best in show. So if you're, if you want to win, you better, you have to impress three different judges at three different levels along the way to do that. So that's basically what it is. The competition is great. And, uh, we have a lot of great dogs. It'll be fun for everybody. Sure. Um, so I was just reading about um, about the the show this year, and notice there there's three new there's three breeds making making their debut: the Russian Toy, the Moody, and the Bracco Italiano. And um, you know what can you what can you tell me about these three these three newcomers? Well, you know, every year, most every year, the AKC recognizes some new breeds to be eligible to become eligible for competition in a confirmation show like ours is. And uh, we call them new breeds, but they're not all really. They're not really new breeds. They're just they're new to us. They're new to this country. They finally have enough of them in this country. They have a geographic distribution in this country, and they usually have a parent club that watches out for them, like the Bracco Italiano Club of America that people who who love those dogs and want to help keep them going, keep them alive, keep them as part of, uh, of our dog world, um, they are there looking out for their best interests. So this year, there's three of them. I think in the 20 years that we've done the show, somebody told me the other day that we've had about 50 new breeds join us. So, oh, wow. So it's fun for people to see a new breed. You're not going to see all these dogs, especially the new breeds, probably. You're not going to see these dogs walking down the street and they're probably not going to be at your dog park on a regular basis. You may see one once in a while. I saw a barbet in downtown Seattle uh, last summer. And really, and I said to the lady, I said, Hey, that's a barbet. She says, how do you know that? I said, well, <laughs> they pay me big, they pay me big bucks to know that it's a barbet. And she, and we laughed and she figured out who I was. And, and, uh, but it's fun to, to be able to do that because we all see dogs on the street. We see them in our families, in our homes and we smile. And that's the same oh, sure. thing people are doing for our TV show. Okay. Um, so, you know, it's one thing to judge, you know, the breed itself. You know, you've got the first, first you go through the best in breed. It's, it's quite another to judge the, you know, the best in group and then ultimately the best in, in show, you know, even, even for best in group, like how, you know, how can you compare some of these, you know, some of these breeds, especially when you look at groups like the working dog group that has so many different types of dogs that do so many different jobs or, you know, the terrier group, which has dogs of all different sizes and all different things like that. How do you, you know, how do you even start to compare them? Well, it's pretty subjective, but, but the basis of breeding is what's called a standard, which is the written description of the ideal specimen of that breed, which tells you how tall they have to be, uh, you, you need to go in knowing what their purpose is. So they need to be built right to accomplish the job that we've bred them to do. So th that can be anything from eye shape, eye color, ear placement, tail placement, uh, how tall they are, what their top line should look like, what their angulation should look like. And, and that all relates form to function. If they're, if they're a greyhound, they should look like, like a speed machine. And, and 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 to start with, but then you start looking at the fine points, you know, ear placement and eyes and the chest and the body line. Uh, so we do that with every breed. So the judge at the group level and again at the at the at the best in show level, where they're comparing dogs of different breeds, you're only you're comparing the dog of each breed to its standard. 
and see how close it comes to fitting that standard, to fitting the ideal of perfection that's described in that standard. And you say, you know, I think the Greyhound, if I was given a numerical score, and we don't necessarily, but but I think the Greyhound is a pretty good Greyhound, and, and I'd give it about a 92 on my own personal scale. So now I'm looking at the Dachshund, which is also in the Hound group, which is a great illustration of the dichotomy of what goes on in those groups, because a Greyhound doesn't look anything like a Dachshund. You can't compare the two of them. You compare the Greyhound to the perfect Greyhound, you do the same thing with the Dachshund. How close is it? to being the perfect dachshund that's described in that standard. And that's how you're going to decide your placements. You're going to decide your winner in a second, third, and fourth in the groups. Okay. Um, you used a term earlier that, you know, you hear a lot in, in when you're watching dog shows, confirmation. Can you explain just what, what a confirmation show actually is? Well, confirmation is, is how the dog is built, how it looks, um, what it's what it's built, what its confirmation is, and uh, that's what you're going to see at the dog show. Are the judges comparing these dogs in the ring to one another? And you could do that at the breed level. You can compare the dogs to one another because I know, as an Afghan hound judge, for example, that was my original breed. I know that this Afghan hound has a beautiful head, but it doesn't move quite as well as this dog who moves great but doesn't have quite the same beautiful head that this dog has. Now, which one am I going to like? Well, we call right. them headhunters. We call them headhunters or we call them movement <laughs> judges in the ring. It's kind of, uh, you know, if if I'm a headhunter, it means if I've got a beautiful head, I may overlook some lesser faults along the way. Got and it. It's the same in every breed. You, you, if, if they were all the same and they were all judged exactly the same way, our sport wouldn't exist because there'd be no reason for you to come back next week if you know that that dog's going to be there and this judge likes that right. dog. So um, that's what keeps us going every week. So you've been you've been a judge before. What sort of preparation goes into it before a show like this? When I'm judging at a dog show, and I think most other judges do too, the night before they show, they will probably read every breed standard of, of the dogs that they're judging tomorrow. So it, I should know them pretty well by the time I'm judging them officially in the ring. But I just want to, you know, make sure that I got it fresh in my mind. This is, you know, sometimes you you may confuse uh, how tall a dog's how tall a dog is supposed to be if it's if it's the same height as this dog or if it's supposed to be different. So I want to refresh myself on that and get myself in the mood. I want to think about it. We don't get to see the dogs doing what they were bred to do, generally speaking, in the show ring. Right. We, we have to see them in the field or wherever they are doing their work. And, and that's, when, uh, that's when this comes into play. I, I have to be able to imagine this dog doing what it was bred to do. And then I have to apply that knowledge to the standard and the dog in front of me and see that the dog can, can do its job and that it looks good and, and has a, the right temperament, the right conditioning, uh, is handled in the right way. And then uh, that's how we'll make those decisions on the day of the show. Okay. You mentioned, um, do, you, do you know anything, do you find out anything about the individual dogs that are competing beforehand? Or do, you, do judges come in as kind of a completely blank slate? As a judge, I'm not supposed to really worry about that kind of thing. I'm not, I don't have to worry about if this judge, if this dog is a great therapy dog and doing other things on the side, if it's a great family dog, if it hunts, if it hunts on weekends, you know, that may play into it a little bit, but you don't know that when you're judging them, when you're going over them in the ring. Okay. And I don't know who, the, I shouldn't know, and it shouldn't be a factor in who's handling the person that's handling the dog 
or the owner of the dog. In our world, it's kind of a, a small it's a small world. That sounds silly to say, but it's kind of a small world because I know who the who the key people are. And when we're right. doing the television show, we actually send out a, a query to everybody and say, "Tell us something about your dog," and they send it back to us. Okay. So I've got that for television. I can tell you if this dog uh, showed up as a rescue dog that was rescued from. I got one coming for this show that was rescued in a house of 56 dogs and somehow it was okay. a puppy and somehow it survived all of that and, and uh, got registered, got showing, and it's going to be at the dog show this weekend. So okay. we have fun human interest stories. Sounds funny to say human interest oh, sure. stories. I'm talking about the dogs, but we have canine interest stories that, yep. uh, that can play into the, the television viewing, but is never going to be a factor with the judge. Okay. Um, so I want to, want to shift gears a little bit and sort of ask you to put on your, put on your prognostication hat a little bit. Um, and because last year, um, Claire, the three-year-old Scottish deer hound, um, won the national show and Claire was a, was a repeat winner, the first in show history. Um, first of all, do you know, is, um, Claire coming back to compete again this year? Claire is not coming back. She's won twice in a row. She's made her legacy, and and okay. she was heading to the to the uh, whelping box, as we say. Sure. Have puppies. Um, she's not she's not quite ready to have them yet, but uh, but she's retired. And, okay. And it's it's fun for us to have had a, a dog win twice in a row. But you know, if you're a competitor, you may not want to see that dog back. Oh sure. In the ring, because maybe you're not going to have a chance. If yeah, this dog keeps winning all the time. Um, right. But, but she's a beautiful dog, well-deserving of, of all the great honors she had, uh, beautifully handled. That always makes a difference. And, uh, and so we just wait. We're going to see who shows up. I think we have um, a lot of dogs that are in the top 10 uh, on the show dog rankings, in the top 10 in the country. We've got a lot of them entered at our show, uh, more so than usual. And I think, you know, now that we're coming out of the pandemic, maybe, that um, people are, are starting to get back to their normal life. And it includes dog show people and their dogs going to dog shows. And that's kind of exciting. We've Our entry, our overall entry this year is higher than it's been in three years. We did still have done the show every year, but we've had to adjust some of the rules. And uh, we didn't have quite as many dogs entered because people weren't traveling. They weren't going to dog shows. Right. But now we seem to be getting back to normal um, our show, our entry is up. Um, it, we're a bit of a special show and people around the country, some of the other dog shows, their entry is still off. And uh, we think we're a good indicator that our sport is alive and well and thriving and, and uh, out there for people to enjoy. Okay. You say, you say the national dog show is a special show. What, what sort of sets it apart from the others? Well, you can start with a television, of course, uh, uh, televising, a dog show like this on a great family holiday, we have 25 million viewers watching this show um, in the past few years. And it, it, we started with, I think the first year we did it, we had about 15 million or so, maybe a little bit more, but we've grown every year. That's unheard of in the television hmm. business um, to, to grow your audience every year. Eventually it's going to start to come down. Um, John and I are, are thrilled and NBC of course is thrilled. And so are the Kennel Club of Philadelphia people. Um, we're all thrilled to see that audience hang in there um, again, having to do with a great time slot on the on the great uh, family holiday of Thanksgiving. Um, 
where people can say, we tell everybody, we tell everybody, um, hold on to that remote until two o'clock, dogs until two, then we'll give you the remote and you can go watch your football games. Okay. And I say that's kind of blasphemous because I grew up in a football coach's family. So, so um, and my daddy was an assistant coach uh, with the Chicago Bears years ago. So, wow. um, so we know what it's like to be waiting for football to come on, but now we've got an option and it's a great, fun family sport to watch. Sure. Um, so talk about the chemistry between you and John, like you, you know, I, I think, you know, that you two are really one of, one of the best, you know, sports commentary teams out there. And how, how did that develop? Well, I, I think it developed easily because of our personalities, our personalities meshed and, and, and I realized what his role is and he realizes what my role is. He's the guy who's the observer. He's the guy that represents the people sitting at home and wondering the question, what's this poodle hair all about? Right. And, and John can ask me and then I'll, you know, I'll make the answer. Now, in 20 years, John's gotten to know a lot of those answers himself. He's worked hard and become very knowledgeable in the dog show, in the dog world and in the dog show world. And he's just a keen observer of life. And he's, he's brilliant. He's talented. Um, he's six, three with perfect hair, which means I got to stand <laughs> next to him in the ring all the time on camera. And, uh, his wife says, well, how do you think I feel? She says, we walk into a room and everybody's looking at John and not me. And I said, well, that's kind of the way I feel too. But, um, we've, we've had a great time. We've become great personal friends through this 20 years. And, uh, and I know that he respects the knowledge and, and the things that I bring to the table, uh, and allows me to be as my publicist calls me the John Madden of dog shows <laughs> that uh, I can tell you why this is happening, but he's wondering, he's wondering for the people at home and throwing the question out there. And a lot of the time, John knows the answer to the question that he's asking me. He knows that uh, he knows what the answer is, but he knows that right. it's going to be an interesting answer for the people at home. And he allows me to, to give that. So, so the chemistry is there uh, personally, professionally, respectfully, um, we, we have a great time together. We couldn't do the show in the way that we do it, which we think is pretty darn good uh, if yep. we didn't have all those things going for us. Okay. So what are you looking forward to at this year's show? You know, what, what breeds are you looking for? What are you, what are you looking to see this year? I'm like everybody else. I'm excited to see the new breeds because they're a little bit rare. They haven't been at every dog show. We had a photo shoot in September with some of the new breeds, with all of the new breeds. And it was fun to get to know them a little bit, but still I went to the next dog show the next week and there weren't any of them entered at the show because there's just not hmm. huge numbers of them yet. So I'm, I'm like everybody else in that respect. I like to see that. I like to see the great show dogs for whatever breed they are. I like to see them. I love to see them doing their thing. I want to see if, if what I'm looking at in the ring is, as we say, as advertised that uh, okay. I'll look at a dog in the ring. Maybe I haven't seen it yet because it's showing in a different part of the country most of the time. And uh, I'll see it and, and I'll say, you know, as advertised, that's a great dog. That's a great looking dog. All right. Or I'll say, hmm, I don't know what makes the world so excited about this one, but, <laughs> but I'm like anybody else in that respect. Everybody else in the dog show world is probably doing the same thing. They say, I like, sure. I like this. I like this Afghan hound better than this Afghan hound. But, but I'm not judging them every weekend, so it doesn't make a difference. This is, they may win the same amount of time. 
happens. Sure. So I do you ever miss? So I think it's fun to see the competition. I like to see the competition. It's a sports. It's a sporting event. And absolutely. I, um, do you ever do you ever miss judging or competing? Well, I'm still judging. I, I compete enough to have finished a couple of my Britneys, but you know, I went through all of that with my Afghan hounds and finished a lot of champions, 50 champion probably in the 20 years that I was involved with Afghan hounds and uh, had the top winning female Afghan hound in history uh, when she retired. And that's kind of what landed me at the dog show. So yeah, I miss that. It's kind of fun, but I also know what pressures these people are under, especially at a big show like the National Dog Show or Westminster, which I worked for, for I did the TV for them for 27 years. So it, it's, I don't miss that pressure because I've, I think I've traded that for something that gives me even more pleasure and, and the opportunity to see and do more dogs and people. I mean, my social circle is people from the dog show world uh, predominantly, and probably 75% of my close personal friends are dog show people. And the other 25% of people that I've dragged along with me my whole <laughs> life. So, so we have fun. Yeah, I do miss it sometimes, but, um, you know, I'm going to let these other people run around the ring and, and do all the grooming and do all those, all the heavy lifting that, that, uh, I don't have to do now. Okay. Um, so when we were talking about, uh, judging before, one of the things you, you mentioned was, you know, that judges look for is the temperament of the dog. And, you know, I don't know, you know, I, I imagine you were watching last year's Westminster show and, you know, the moment for me in that, in that show was, um, it was, it was after the Malamute had been judged and as the other, as the other dogs in the group were being judged, you heard the Malamute in the background, um, doing, you know, what Malamutes do and, and making their, making their presence known and, and, you know, having opinions about things. How does something like that affect judging or does it? I, I, it shouldn't. Um, a dog being a dog, we expect them to be dogs. And we expect to hear that kind of noise out of a Malmute. When, when Uno, the great beagle, won best in show at Westminster, one of his last moves when he came back to the judge was he stood there like a statue and went, and the crowd <laughs> went nuts. So now, Uno's, if he didn't already, Uno's got everybody in the garden cheering for him because they thought that was cute and it was fun. And, and the smart handlers, the great handlers, will play the dog to the crowd sometimes. They say, I know my dog's going to do this. But in terms of temperament, you have to remember as a judge that a dog standing there being cute, wagging its tail and looking up at you happily, um, that may not be the proper temperament for that dog. I mean, right. I, you don't, your Ridgeback isn't going to be a tail wagging, welcoming dog to strangers necessarily. They're not going to be aggressive, sure. but that's not important to them. And the Terriers, they don't care who's on the end of the leash as a handler. They're looking for trouble themselves. You know, <laughs> there's those rats where, what am I supposed to be doing in here? And, and uh, you as a judge need to know that a Labrador temperament is going to be much different than, than the, the Rhodesian Ridgeback. They're supposed to be standoffish. They're supposed to be somewhat wary and aloof. So you need to know that. And, and you can't expect every breed of judge to run out in the center of the ring and throw a perfect stack all by itself, which means putting all the feet in the right place and, and gathering yourself up and looking around. And they're not, most breeds don't, well, most breeds don't want to have that kind of thing. And, and with, um, 
we saw the bloodhound in the ring at Westminster, beautiful bloodhound that went best in show. Right. And the minute I saw it walk into the ring, it had the presence of, of being in there to do what it had to do. And, and it did it. It was spectacular. It was an unexpected, not, I don't want to say unexpected winner because I don't think there are any unexpected winners. When they get to that level, you say you, the best in show judge can close her eyes and point because he's got seven great specimens in there, we hope. And and when the bloodhound walked in, kind of unanticipated, walked in and threw himself into that stack, I said, that dog's got to win. And hmm. Donald Sturz, um, one of the great dog people, agreed with me. And they right. don't always agree with me. I don't always agree with what the judge does in the ring. I said, geez, I like the other one a little bit better. But I didn't have my hands on them. I didn't look in their mouth. I didn't get to right. do all the things that you need to do when you're judging them. So that's why sometimes there's going to be a little difference in that from what you see in the ring and from what the judge sees in the ring. So sure. You play along with that. That's part of the deal. Okay. Um, you know, one of the things you see a lot when, when a dog comes before a judge, you see the, the handler putting the judge in or putting the dog in that stack um, in that, in that construction, how many chances does the handler get to do that? You know, you see him sort of, sort of stack the dog up and then sort of step back, but they're always kind of making adjustments. What are the rules for that? We say that you see the dog two minutes in the ring, but it's a lifetime of preparation, whether it's road work, training, grooming, um, whatever, all those things that go into it for the judge to get his two minutes up close and personal with the dog, but also to look at the dog from a distance in the ring as they're standing in line. And uh, it, it, those things don't just happen. It takes right. it takes a handler who knows what they're doing, who knows the breed, and who knows the dog and has a relationship with the dog that they know the dog will respond. And, and they know how the dog will respond to certain situations and to certain commands or to certain kinds of bait, you know, whether it's right. a cooked piece of liver or some chicken or a squeaky toy, you know how the dog is going to respond best in the ring to, to show its to show all of its strong points to the best to the best that they have. Okay. How does one even get started as a judge? You know, you you say one day, like, I think that'd be fun to judge to judge dogs at a dog show. How do you how do you even get into it? Well, I think it's it's evidenced by somebody having a, a commitment to a breed, um, to to be coming to dog shows. To, to go to dog shows to learn not just about their breed, but about other dogs and about the sport itself. And that uh, if you're around long enough and you work hard enough at it, you could say, I started with Afghan hounds. It was my breed. And so that was the first breed I applied to judge. And that came fairly easily to me. Um, as you expand what you're doing, I only judge breeds that I have owned. Other people judge, okay. judge them all. Some right. we have a lot of all-round judges that judge every single breed of dog. Well, they've been going their whole life to dog shows. They've devoted their whole life to every breed of dog. They work hard. They study hard. They ask questions of breeders of those breeds. When I when I'm going to go judge a, a breed that's not my breed, if I'm going to judge a golden retriever, especially, I'm going to talk to some of my golden retriever friends ahead of time and say, you know, give me some things to look for that are important to you. And those things may be different coming out of the mouth of one golden retriever breeder than it is out of another one. But I know as a breeder, the things that are important to me and, I, and I'll share them with potential judges that come along. So anyway, I got started because I was involved with the dog show world. And, and, uh, and eventually I think I started the television when I still was just licensed to judge Afghan hounds. 
and uh, and eventually I got involved with other breeds and got licensed for them. And I'm comfortable in the ring with any breed, but to judge and to 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 make to make that judgment about breeds that I know I think has more impact than than uh, doing breeds that I don't know that well. Okay. So what is the licensing authority for, for dog show judges that you're, that you're talking about? Well, the American Kennel Club, the great American okay. Kennel Club, as we say, you know, oversees our sport in every aspect, whether it's confirmation shows or agility or obedience or dock diving, um, a- anything having to do with, with dogs, purebred and otherwise. The AKC also does right. things for non-purebred dogs to get them involved in those performance sports. They can't be involved in confirmation. People say, how come you're not judging or, or you're not allowing labradoodles to be shown? Right. Well, we talked about having a standard that describes a perfect specimen. What's it going to say about a labradoodle? How, how big is a labradoodle supposed to be? What kind of coat right. is it supposed to have? Um, you don't have that. So, so we need to have um, predictability is the key word okay. with us in purebred dogs that uh, the heritage breeders uh, want to pro- pro- prolong that with individual breeds that have their individual traits that make them the breed that they are. And okay. God bless the Labradoodles. I have <laughs> never met a Labradoodle that didn't have the greatest temperament and personality <laughs> you would want to put on a dog. And, and there probably are some out there that don't, but all the ones that I've met have been great, but they all look different. Right. So I can't judge them in a dog show. I can only judge them on temperament and, and attitude and, and maybe soundness. But um, but if they want to become a purebred dog, and there's a number of purebred dogs that started this way, they've got right. to fix type. They've got to make so every dog that comes out of the womb, every Labradoodle that comes out of the womb is going to look the same. Right. No matter how it started. But you got okay. to bring Labradoodles to Labradoodles, boom. Labradoodles to Labradoodles, boom. And fix those traits so that they're the same on all of them so that we know what's important for the dog. Okay. Um, talk about how, how some of the breed standards have changed over the years that you've been involved. You know, you look at pictures from, you know, 50, 60 years ago, German shepherds look different. Bulldogs look, look different, you know, as, as the standards have, have changed. So, so what are some of the most notable sort of changes in breed standards that you've noticed over the years? I don't, I don't think the breed standards get touched too much, generally okay. speaking. And there are some notable exceptions to that, but um, I don't know all the breed standard, standards exactly. But, but, you know, the Afghan hound standard was, I think, approved in the 1940s. And as far as I know, it has never changed. Okay. So the breed has changed. The breed yeah. looks different than it did in the forties, but it's, it's because we know what this is and we've made it a little better. It's just gotten better in the dogs. Okay. And you can see that in the dogs, uh, by the way they function. And, sure. uh, I think, you know, the new breeds coming in, they probably doctor their standards up a little bit to make the AKC happy with, with it in terms of content. And, and that's great. That's part of the reason the parent clubs are there to make sure those standards are, are, are adequate and accurate. And the AKC is there to help nudge them along the right path so that, uh, so that all those things come in into play eventually with dogs, whether you're breeding them or showing them or, or doing, um, agility. Sure. Um, the AKC, you know, talks a lot about, you know, they are, they're, they're there to, to, 
sort of advance, you know, the health and and recognition of these of these different dog breeds and everything. How do dog shows like the National Dog Show, like Westminster, how do they sort of help um, sort of advance advance the breeds and and you know contribute to the overall health of them? Well, I think from a, first of all, from a competitive standpoint, you're comparing dogs. I think theory, in, in theory, dog shows are to to find uh, to find the next uh, the next great dogs to pro, to produce the next generation of dogs, healthy, happy, uh, maybe a little healthier, maybe a little happier. Maybe there's some things that are kind of rounding into place on the traits that that they need to have. Um, I think every generation of dogs is, is going to have something that fixes these traits, fixes them in a way that, that we want, that we want to manifest itself. And again, their ability to do their jobs. So I think in terms of our show, we educate people. Our, our great goal is to educate the general public about 212 different breeds and varieties of dogs so that you know what they were bred to do. You know why this dog looks the way it does because it relates to its function. You know why the speed dogs like the Saluki have a deep chest and a tuck up sure. and, and free and free movement in the front and they're built for speed. They're a sight hound, so they have to be able to see what they're chasing and then they have to be able to run it down. And that's uh, those are the things that we look for uh, all the time. And and, uh, and and if we can find a way to make them a little bit faster or make them a little more efficient at doing the work that they do, that's great. Got it. Um, so sort of the last, last thing I want to, want to ask, you know, this year, you know, dog show coming up, what should, what should people be, be looking for this year? You know, any, you know, again, any, any, you know, any sleepers, anything like that, that you want to, you know, that you want to tell people about. Every day is a different day in the dog show world (laughs) that the dog that wins yesterday at the same at the on the same grounds with a different kennel club and different judges uh, it may not perform exactly the same the next day maybe that night in the room uh, their owner had room service pizza and the dog somehow got into the pizza and ate it <laughs> so when it's running around the ring tomorrow it might not feel quite quite ready to go but um every day is a different day and it's a different day because you have a different judge who who feels uh, more strongly about certain traits than others, it, as the example of the Afghan hound and the head, the head hunters or the right. judges that um, the dogs are not identical. They're all different. Um, and sometimes those differences can be pretty subtle. Sometimes they can be obvious. And, uh, and I think that's one of the things that we're trying to do with the television show is show people these dogs up close and personal. You don't get to see all these breeds as I said before, walk into the dog park. Right. Maybe, um, maybe your first time seeing it, you say, hey, what's the story here? Um, what is this dog? I don't know this dog. Or I saw that dog in the park the other day and I wondered what it was. And now I get to see it on the on the television and, and find out a little bit more. But mostly we want people to hear about the dogs and learn about the dogs so that they can decide and determine what might be the best breed for them individually, uh, for their lifestyle and and or for their families okay um so where you know aside from say like the akc website which has all the all the information about the different breeds and and the breed standards and everything what are some what are some resources that you would recommend for people who are interested in learning about different breeds you know to 
see if they can find that that great fit for themselves and their family. Every breed has every breed has a parent club, and every parent club has their own website. So okay. the AKC will, of course, touch on them and have some great knowledge, you know, some basic knowledge about the breed. But they will always send you to the parent club website for Got details, um, for a lot of pictures, for videos, um, and I, I think that's those, that's a great place to start. Um, I think in this day and age, your online, your digital resources are, are the best because you can see the dogs moving. You can see them up close and personal and you can kind of feel like you're right there in the room with them. And so I think that's important. I think it's important to watch dog shows on television. And of course that's self-serving, but, but, (laughs) um, we try to not only to entertain, but we try to educate people about these breeds. Here's why that dog looks the way it does. Here's why it's doing what it's doing as it lays there at the end of the line, waiting for its turn. That uh, those are all things that we want people to see and understand. Um, and, and we do it as much as we can. We've got a two hour show. We don't get to show all 200 breeds and varieties in our television show, but you right. we do allow them. We do have them being shown uh, in streaming video, all the breeds on our, uh, on our website, national dog show. A website. So I think it will lead you to more. If we pique your interest a little bit with our two hour show on Thanksgiving day, that's great. So you run out and, and crank up the website and look at the dandy Dinmont Terrier. Hmm. Uh, so you find out more about the dandy and say, you know, that might be a good dog for us. I heard, I heard David and John say something about the dog that, that is interesting to me. And, you know, maybe, Maybe I have, maybe I have Norwegian heritage, hmm. which I do. Yeah. Uh, my, my mother's parents were both Norwegian. So maybe I should look at the Norwegian elk hound and see what I've got. Okay. See what that dog's all about. See if that fits into my family. It certainly might from a, from a human heritage standpoint, but um, that's what we want to do. We want you to, to leave our show smiling about having, seeing all the great dogs. We want you to have your interest peaked in maybe certain breeds or in the sport in general and be able to, to hit the streets the next day and say to your, your, whoever you're walking the streets with say, Hey, that dog right there is an, is an English Cocker Spaniel. I saw it on TV yesterday and, uh, and I'm kind of interested to find out more and you run over and talk to the person who has the dog. So we hope that we're doing that, that we're setting people off to go bother people with, with <laughs> questions and, and uh, try to get them ready maybe to have the next dog in their life. Well, David, thank you so much for being back on Hound Opinions. Um, as as always, it's it's an absolute joy. Um, everyone, make sure you tune in to the National Dog Show. It's from uh, noon to two local time on NBC after the Macy's Parade. Um, where you'll hear David and John O'Hurley doing their their wonderful commentary as they do every year. Um, and yeah, thank you, thank you so much. Thank you, Bill. It's great to be on with you, and I'll look forward to the next time. Hug your dog, everybody. Absolutely. The show dog is the dog sitting next to you on the couch. There you go. All right. Thanks, David. All right. Thanks for checking out Hound Opinions. If you like what you hear, we'd appreciate if you gave Hound Opinions a good rating on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bill Mayeroff is the owner and chief canine officer of Big Wags Chicago Dog Training and Dog Walking. You can find Big Wags Chicago online at bigwagschicago.com. You can also find us under the handle at Big Wags Chicago, all one word, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. 
If you have a dog question you'd like answered on a future episode, or if you just want to say hi, email podcast at bigwagchicago.com. Hound Opinions is a production of Big Wag Chicago. Bill Mayeroff is the editor and producer. The executive producers of Hound Opinions are Winchester X. Puppington the 17th and Bodie Johnson. Thanks. Thanks.